Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading largely lower this morning. Investors are keeping an eye out on economic data out of Japan, as well as factory activity in Australia. I'm Michelle Martin. You're with us here on Market View. Joining me is Ryan Huang with a new haircut, it looks like. Uh, it's just, um, what do you call it? A bad hair day. Oh, it looks so, good. <laughs> it is good. Well, here's also a shout out to the folks at DBS. If you see your boss around, oh. Piyush Gupta, it's his birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Piyush. He turns 64. Fantastic. Wonderful to hear. Love starting the day with a birthday greeting. Let's start the morning in the world of corporate earnings as well with fast-moving consumer goods and streaming media. Two very different industries. Both are corporate giants though, which can give us insight into the state of the economy and financial markets. Our companies in focus this morning are Procter & Gamble and Netflix. Let's start with P&G. It is one of the world's largest consumer goods companies. It sells diapers, fabric softeners, feminine care products, Pretty much everything in my home, shampoo, toothpaste. Uh, P&G brands include Pampers and Vicks and Oral-B. Well, the headlines for P&G's earnings appear mixed. On the one hand, P&G's earnings per share higher than expected, but its net income is lower than a year earlier. Plus, P&G's annual profits are taking a hit from Gillette's raises. What is the story here? Yeah, it has quite a bit of stuff happening in your house. So Mm -hmm. many houses, in fact. So it's a good glimpse into the state of the economy in some sense. And what is being out here is quite interesting. A few things to unpack. One is that you've got Gillette actually beating expectations, but that is because of some adjustments. So let's talk about some of the numbers we're getting. So earnings per share coming at $1.84. That is above the expectations of a dollar seventy. So on that front, it beats expectations, mm-hmm. but it's an adjusted earnings. We'll tell you why in just a few moments. Okay, and there you got revenue. It's at twenty one point four four billion. That's slightly under the twenty one point four eight billion that is the projections from consensus forecasts. So you've got a bit of a up and down here. Okay. Otherwise, you've got the company narrowing its outlook for what's to come. Partly because of a few things. One is it's right down of Gillette because it's restructuring its business in a few markets that are not performing. And then the other part of the equation is how in the past few years it's been hiking prices and then it started to hit an inflection point. Consumers not willing as much as before to pay for those higher prices and starting to pull back and buy less. And that's one reason why perhaps the sales numbers, even though they rose 3%, were not as high as the 4% in the prior quarter. Well, the write-down for Gillette is a big one, $2.5 billion US dollars over two years. If you factor this out, though, what's the take on F&G's business? Yeah, so it does paint a better picture. So factoring that out, mm. and if you look at what is the sum that it's factoring out, it's writing down the value of the Razor brand Gillette by $1.3 billion. So this pretty much goes through with what they previously announced, that they will be chalking up a record some $2.5 billion in charges over the next two fiscal years mm-hmm. because of impairment charges, because of restructuring in some markets like Argentina and Nigeria. So excluding those factors, it would have made $1.84. 
And this is versus the dollar seventy. If you factor that in, it would have been a dollar forty. Well, investors are looking past Gillette loss, the Gillette loss, and really applauding PNG's overall financial health. Shares of PNG finish up four percent overnight. Next up, let's look at Netflix. Now, after the markets closed this morning, Netflix announced its best ever holiday season results. It grossed eight point eight billion US dollars during the fourth quarter of the year, higher than expected. So, what is powering Netflix's strong numbers? Yeah, it's probably you and me. <laughs> Everyone trying to watch a bit more of the latest hits. Well, there is a lot going on here. And it comes yeah. down to more people watching Netflix to the tune of some 13 plus million subscribers being added to the latest quarter. That is a new record, which makes the entire base 261 million subscribers. A new record high. So Amazing. the 13 million plus beat its own projected forecast of 8 million plus. So it is beating expectations and we were just, you know, mm. earlier in the year mm. or last year thinking how many more people will join Netflix because That's they've it. got to watch their purse strings. You know, things are starting to cost more. They've got to prioritise other things perhaps. Well, they are still going to Netflix and perhaps a portion of it coming through from the ad-supported tier. Some of it is seeing some growth there. And it is also looking to expand its content. So it's doing a good job attracting users to watch some of the stuff that's been going on. What do you watch on Netflix these days? Listen, I'm a huge fan of horror and true crime. I have been kept up at night by this documentary called House of Secrets. Listen, only watch this if you are okay to be kept up at night as well and sleepless for a few nights. It's a documentary. It's not, it's not a horror film. Listen, it's real life horror. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> well, some 260 million people now subscribe to Netflix. That's a new record. And the streaming media giant also warning it may hike subscription rates, though it hasn't said yet by how much. So Ryan might not be watching House of Secrets, but lots more people are tuning into Netflix. Now, even before Netflix released its profit numbers this morning, the streaming media giant was making headlines with a multi-billion dollar deal. It's going to pay $5 billion US dollars for the exclusive rights to host content from World Wrestling Entertainment. Remember WWE? Uh, not the weekly program. I- including, including, I should say, that weekly program, Raw. So this deal marks Netflix's first big foray into live events. What do you make of this? Yeah, this is pretty much Netflix laying the smackdown on the competition. <laughs> and also, just a fun fact, our producer Dan looks a bit like John Cena. So if you don't know what he looks like, yeah, let's think on John Cena. And He's there you go. He's pretty grumpy today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a big Menacing. deal. $5 billion for 10 years. Uh, and as you imagine, a lot of fans behind WWE. We're talking about 2 million viewers every week watching Raw, which is one of the staple programs where you see people duking it out in the ring. So (laughs) that is very significant in the form of how you've got some of these um, streaming platforms starting to make their way into sports. And Netflix is just the latest. We've got, for example, Amazon going into NFL, the National Football League in the U.S., And you've got some of the stuff going on, Comcast's Peacock, some of the um, playoff games on NFL as well. Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is owned also by TKO, which owns WWE, plays some of the stuff on ESPN+. Mm -hmm. So 
the streaming platforms are trying to get a bigger slice of the action in sports, which is moving away from linear TV. So maybe in time to come, we might see football, basketball, and so on. So that's where things are going. I like how Netflix classifies professional wrestling. It looks at it as sports entertainment. So despite the WWE deal, Netflix says it's not interested in investing in live sports. Investors appear to like this investment, though, as well as Netflix's overall growth numbers, just as we thought, you know, how many more people can tune into Netflix or subscribe, right? Um... There you have the numbers bearing it all out. Shares of Netflix are up more than 8% in after-hours trade. Next up, let's turn to China, where we begin with director deals. The co-founders of China's biggest tech companies, Alibaba, have been actively trading the company shares. So have Jack Ma and Joe Tsai been buying or selling? Yeah, they are on a shopping spree and they are buying big time. Hundreds of millions of dollars on the open market. So you're talking about more than $200 million worth of shares between them. And for Joe Tsai, he is Mm -hmm. using the entity linked to his family office. It's called Blue Pool. And this is around $152 million worth of ADRs for Alibaba. So the other part of it is Jack Ma. He bought $50 million worth of Alibaba's Hong Kong stock. So all in, it's a bit of a vote of confidence that you've got these of the these two big guys trying to get more of the stock they already have. And I suppose it's a sign that they see value in how things have been playing out. So, of course, the share prices have been coming down a fair bit. So maybe they think it's a bargain right now. That's it. Shares of Alibaba climbed nearly 8% in US trade overnight as investors applauded the news that Alibaba co-founders Jack Ma and Joe Tsai have been increasing their stakes in the Chinese tech giant. Next up, a China story with a Singapore link. I was shocked when I read this. The Asia Genesis hedge fund is shutting down after making, quote, a big mistake on China. Well, to be fair, Asia Genesis apparently made a bad investment on Japan as well. Fill us in. What's the latest here? Yeah, so it's really coming down to this saying a lot of people turn to, which is don't time the market. But as a hedge fund, this is what they do every day. Well, this one didn't work out for Asia Genesis because they bet big on the wrong, I guess, bet. So this is, um, of course... You mentioned Japan and the other part is China. And with China, they were trying to time the bottom, thinking things had bottomed out. And they were thinking, hey, maybe it'll bounce back. But as we've seen in the markets, things have not turned out that way. Mm-hmm. So they have seen a loss in confidence among their investors. Um, some of the investors have been trying to redeem their funds. And if you don't have the funds to do your stuff, it can lead to problems, cash flow. And of course, your your assets are locked up in some sense, so you have to liquidate them, liquidate them at a loss. So there are many implications when your investors are not backing you anymore and trying to take out their money. So this phrase by its CIO, Chua Sun Hong, or Chua Sun Hock, is quite telling. He says he has reached a stage where his confidence as a trader is lost and his past experience is no longer valid. Instead, it's working against him, which I suppose is very interesting to take a look at it from that lens that some of the ways the markets have been moving have not been the ways that some of the older folks have been used to. 
Interesting take on things. Well, China stocks have had a rough ride so far this year, but Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index jumped 2.6% yesterday. What sparked the buying? Yeah, so this is the number $268 million. That's how much is apparently on the table where it comes to a potential, some form of stimulus package where there are talks that the Chinese government might be funneling some money offshore to state-owned companies for them to buy stocks in the onshore Hong Kong market. So pretty much a package where it might support share prices. And of course, investors pricing that in right now, Hang Seng off to a bit of a bounce. We've talked a lot over the past couple of months about the possibility of government stimulus measures in China. A lot of investors remain sceptical. They point out that yesterday's gains in the Hang Seng merely trimmed losses from the day before. So keep that in mind as I turn to our daily game of up or down. Let's start with our first entry, the Indian stock market. What does this have to do with Hong Kong, you ask? Ryan, share with us. Yeah, so as you've pointed out, Hong Kong has been going through a bit of a slump. Whereas India has been going the other direction and this is now seeing India take over Hong Kong for the number four, number four spot around the world when it comes to being the largest exchange or stock market. So this is where you've got India attracting a lot of interest from foreign investors trying to bank on how there's a growing prop population and bear in mind China's population on the other hand has been going down. So you've got a contrast in fortunes in that sense and India starting to shine this year especially. And also worth mentioning as well with the support package for the Hong Kong stock markets and wider Chinese markets, it could maybe turn things around because when investors feel richer, they will feel more confident about spending. Maybe it could be one factor to help spur the Chinese economy, one thing to watch out for. The combined value of India's markets about $4.3 trillion, which is just a tad higher than Hong Kong, which it overtook yesterday. Monday, it's Wednesday, right? Overtook it Monday to become the world's largest, fourth largest stock market. So many numbers. Uh, there may still be some back and forth, though, in the rankings. One sign of India's bullish market can be found in the ICICI Bank. Its share price hit a record high yesterday on the back of strong earnings. Next, let us look at United Airlines. All right. I am looking at a down, at least looking at what's playing out here. Mm -hmm. Some negative headlines with United Airlines raising questions over some of their jets. And this is the Boeing 737 MAX 10 jets. Apparently, a couple of things have been falling out of the planes. Loose bolts. That's what United Airlines has been discovering. So they are starting to scrutinize the aircraft, their fleet, and both Boeing, I suppose, as United Airlines in a spot they wished they were not in. Indeed. United Airlines is warning it may lose more money than expected in the first quarter of the year due to the grounding of its Boeing 737 MAX aircraft. You'll recall that airlines have stopped flying the 737 MAX following a mid-air blowout on an Alaskan Airlines flight that happened just earlier this month. However, United Airlines shares are rallying. They closed up 5% overnight on the back of strong fourth quarter earnings, basically 
quickly, UA fares are rising, which is an up for the airline, but I'd say it's a down for passengers. Next, let's look at Texas Instruments. All right, Texas Instruments is a chip maker and it is forecasting first quarter revenue and profit below market expectations. So a down for me and it's not looking optimistic around the demand for cars. So it does look like um, this could be a sign of a bit of a glut, a supply glut that's playing out in markets. That's it. Texas Instrument shares are down more than 4.5% in after-hours trade. TI has issued a disappointing sales forecast for the first quarter of the year on the back of this slump in demand. So down for Texas Instruments in my book, perhaps for chip makers as well, more broadly. Let's look at eBay. Yeah, eBay is a down for me. It's the latest tech company to say it's cutting jobs, 1,000 jobs, and it's trying to scale back on operations. That's it. Retrenching some 1,000 workers, eBay is. That is about 9% of its full-time staff. And yet another example of tech companies who are cutting back. I'm going to give eBay a down too. Sabana Reed, still in the news for all the wrong reasons. Uh, all right. Now it's for its earnings. So Sabana reposted a 21.2% drop in the second half DPU. This now comes in at 1.15 cents. Well, it's not a good look, of course, as we hear so many, um, I suppose, distractions coming through from the internalization of its read manager. So now you've got bad earnings as well. And this is now seeing that DPU is down. They are trying to preserve their capital to be more prudent and um, in view of also additional costs as we go into that process of internalizing the REIT manager. DPU down more than 20% for Sabana REIT. That's bad news for unit holders. AEM, now we've talked on the show about how AEM's inventory shortfall could affect its fourth quarter earnings. What are we seeing? Yeah, it's going to be a down for AEM. So, we talked about this and this uh, this error pretty much was a human error. Someone keyed in the wrong numbers in probably an Excel sheet and mm. then there was a shortfall of between 17.9 million and 25.1 million. That was the estimate that was first disclosed sometime earlier this month. Well, now more questions are coming through from Sias for more details around this inventory shortfall. So it's under pressure to... I suppose, be more accountable, more transparent and how the internal stocking exercise was done and what it's doing in terms of putting the right processes in place like whistleblowing and audit processes and I suppose other things might come to the fore now. That's it. So, well, the Securities Investors Association of Singapore is asking for more details. For example, was there an internal whistleblower who discovered the shortfall? Or was it found as part of a routine exercise? So I'm going to give CS an up for asking the right questions and AEM a down for letting the shortfall happen in the first place. All right. Our last word today belongs to a young golfer named Nick Dunlop. He won the American Express Golf Tournament this past weekend, but he could not accept the 1.5 million US dollar prize. Why? Well, he's 20, he's still in university and officially an amateur athlete. He could have given up his amateur status to accept the prize money, but did not. What do you think of this, Ryan? Yeah, technicalities. Well, I suppose the prize in this sense that he gets out of it is he might get 
a license in the form of a PGA Tour card. So it becomes a member for the next tournament. So try your luck again next time. I guess, you know, if you have to pick between 1.5 million or staying in uni and learning... I pick 1.5 million anytime. Uh, Dunlop can still make money from his PGA Tour victory indirectly. US sports rules allow him to accept sponsorship deals. That's a relatively new change, by the way, called Name, Image and Likeness on Nil that was adopted in 2021. And Dunlop has already sponsorships with mm. Adidas and TaylorMade. Not bad already, so I don't think he's going to be complaining too much. No, he's not at all. Uh, he's really grateful, says he's learned a lot and uh, it's a big win for him. So congratulations. Well done. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. This is Your Money with me, Michelle Martin. He's Ryan Huang. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.